because this is about your life. That's what it's about. It's about your life, the whole kit and caboodle. This is about life, what it's about, what its purpose is, why you're here. It's about your life. The whole kit and caboodle. If that's not enough motivation for you to listen, I don't know what is. Here's how to listen. Paul today makes a comparison between two different kinds of life that you can have. He says there's the Gentile life, and then he says there's the Christian life. Here's the Gentile life, here's the Christian life. Those are the only two options you can have. You can have a Christian life, or you can have, or you can have a Gentile life. Those are the only two kinds. And we're going to compare and contrast them today in three ways. Ready? What it is. Two. What drives it. And three where it comes from and where it's going. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. We're about halfway through it now, and we're picking up some teaching here in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read it to you. Paul writes to us, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. This is God's word. By way of introduction today, I want to give you two reasons why I think you should listen today. Here's the first one. Paul insists that you do. He hardly ever does that. Insist, I mean. In fact, if you insist all the time, you don't insist on anything. Now I'm thinking about the Latin vocable. I was one of those guys in, in high school. I did the declensions, the conjugations, the vocable, after vocable, after vocable, insistere. To stand upon. Paul insists. 
He begins, he says, I tell you, it's so relationally rich if you think about it. I tell you, I tell you, this this mighty apostle who, by the way, had been their personal pastor for three trips around the sun. Did you know that? I insist. Paul says, I tell you, and I insist in the Lord. That's your first reason for listening. Paul insists. And he hardly ever does that. First time he does in the book of Ephesians. Here's your second reason. Because this is about your life. That's what it's about. It's about your life. The whole kit and caboodle. This is about life. What it's about. What its purpose is. Why you're here. It's about your life. The whole kit and caboodle. If that's not enough motivation for you to listen, I don't know what is. Here's how to listen. Paul today makes a comparison between two different kinds of life that you can have. He says there's the Gentile life, and then he says there's the Christian life. Here's the Gentile life, here's the Christian life. Those are the only two options you can have. You can have a Christian life, or you can have, or you can have a Gentile life. Those are the only two kinds. And we're going to compare and contrast them today in three ways. Ready? What it is. Two. What drives it? And three, where it comes from and where it's going. What it is, what drives it, where it comes from, and where it's going. Those three parts. What is life? Paul does something very provocative. He starts out and he says... I tell you, and I insist on it in the Lord. And then he does something very provocative. He tells a church full of Gentiles, don't live like Gentiles. What does that mean? What does it mean? Does that mean we shouldn't wear jeans? Does that mean we shouldn't have cross-cultural food experiences? I like Thai. Do you? What does it mean? Paul tells you what it means. He does not want us to think about life like Gentiles do. He he calls their, their thinking about life futile. He calls it darkened. Why is it darkened? Why is it futile? He tells us because it is separated. From the life of God. And if if your idea of life is separated from the life of God, there's no transcendence to it. If your life is separated from the life of God, there is no higher calling in your life at all. Then here's what life is about. It's about you. It's about your desires... And it's about getting the resources and the things you want in this life. That's the Gentile life. I suppose we could say with the French writer on that point that the more things change, the more they stay the same. That was the Gentile life. It still is the Gentile life. 
will always be the Gentile life. And if you think about it, I want to be provocative like a pastor friend that I have. Like Paul was here, I'll be a little bit provocative. What if Paul was here today? How would he put this? Is it possible that he might stand up here and say, I insist that you stop living the American life? There's a sociologist by the name of Philip Reef who's been in a lot of conversations recently. He's done a lot of analysis of what life is like in our culture, and he says that life in our culture is all about the amplification of self. He says it's all about the amplification of self. What's life about? It's about, it's about taking the trips I want. It's about getting the jobs I want. It's about per, pursuing my true self. It's about, it's about the amplification of self. That's what Philip Reeves says. Is he right? What is life about? Getting what I want. What is education about? Getting the jobs I want. What is, what is work about? Work's about making money so that I have purchasing power. What is money about? Money is about meeting my personal goals. What is, about, what is sex about? Pleasure. What is success in life? Living my dreams. What is failure? Failing to live my dreams. That's the Gentile life. That's exactly the Gentile life. In contrast, what's the Christian life? Oh, Paul told us. He actually told us last week, earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, what's the Christian life about? It's about growing up into Christ. Why? What's the goal of it? Why do we want to grow up into Christ? Why? What's the point of life? To love and serve each other. That's the Christian life. You know where Paul got that from? I'm certain he got it from Jesus. You know why? That's exactly what Jesus taught. This is fascinating. I think it's so fascinating. You, you go to Matthew chapter 20. The disciples are, are, are with Jesus. They're arguing about the amplification of self. Who is the greatest? Who is the most amplified? What is this going to be like? And Jesus says, stop acting like Gentiles. <laughs> Gentiles do that. We don't. What is life about? You know what Jesus said life is about? Here's what life is about. Be a servant of everybody. What's Gentile life about? It's about yourself. What is Christian life about? Self-denial. To serve other people. I was reflecting on this with my daughter recently, we came back from vacation. I'm always very concerned that the Gentile life is going to sneak into her little heart. So I sat her down and I asked her, why do we go on vacation? You know what I told her? I said, yes, we enjoy it. But it's not why we go. We go to heal. 
we go to rest so we can come back and serve others. We got to think about this as Christians. We got to we got to press on this. Why do we eat? Do we live to eat? Or do we eat to live? Why do we sleep? Do we sleep because we're tired and just we want to rest and get up and do something for others? Why do we do life? I'm pressing on this. I'm really pressing on this because this is what the statistics say. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying this is what the statistics say. The statistics say that Christians in our culture live lives identically to everybody else. I was standing with a group of people. There was this little girl. She was yay yay tall, you know, front teeth missing, that whole bit. Just this little girl. Sweet little Christian girl. And she pipes up. She says, you know, when I grow up, I want to be just like mom and daddy, get a good job and make a lot of money. And my heart sinks in my chest. A little Gentile thought. What if we were Christians? What if we were Christians? What, what, if, what if we did so much more than took vacation so we can rest, so we can serve others? What if we got an education so we could heal the brokenness in this world? What if we worked jobs where we could make things and heal situations and love people? What if, what if sex was about so much more than pleasure? What if, what if it was about loving your spouse? What if it was about bringing new life into this world? What if, what if money, imagine this, I mean, just imagine this, Christians. Just, just imagine this. What if we made money so we could share it? What if life was about serving God and serving God by serving others? So I tell you, and I insist on it in the Lord. You must not live like Gentiles do in their idea of what life is about. Or in the way that they deal with their drives inside. Now we're into our second part. When you live life with a darkened understanding about what life is about, you don't understand that God is there. You're separated from the life of God. Paul says that your heart gets hard. 
And when your heart is hard, what that means is that you are not sensitive to God and you are not sensitive to the people in God's world. And so when you, when you live like that, the only thing that you think about is yourself. And so you give yourself over to your own sensual desires to indulge in them with an ever-increasing lust, a coveting for more and more and more and more. That's how Gentile drives work. They are a black hole with no bottom. Doesn't matter what kind they are. I figure there's two major kinds, tons of different subcategories, but there's two major kinds. There's what I call hot lusts of the flesh, and there are cold lusts of the flesh. You know the hot ones, you're thinking of them right now. Yeah, those. Pornography, it always leads to more pornography, and usually darker pornography. It's a black hole. It's got no bottom. Same thing with the cold lust of the flesh, which is the accumulating of life experiences, the getting more riches for yourself, the cold lust of the flesh. You want more, and you want more, and you want more, and you want more. Warren Buffett. Poor guy. He's 90, y'all. He still can't hang it up. He's worth billions. He can't quit. More and more and more. It's a black hole with no bottom. In contrast to that, Christians take that stuff and they put it off. Paul says, just put it off. It's like, it's like a dirty shirt. You take it off. You throw it away. You, you put it off. Gentile, you just pursue your desires. Christians, they take them off, they quit them. Let me put it like this. In the Gentile world, it's you do you. You got You have to do you. You got to do you. You got to do. If you don't do you, if you don't do your desires, if you don't follow what's in your heart, you're not going to be happy. You know what Christians say? Please don't. Please don't do you. Please, can, can you imagine? Can you, can you imagine this world if everybody did what was inside of it? Please don't, world. Please don't. God help us if everybody did their own desires. Please don't. This is, don't you see it? What is Gentile morality? Gentile morality is you have to pursue your own desires because if you don't pursue your own desires, you're not going to be happy. And if you stop, the only thing wrong is you gotta, you're stopping somebody from doing their own, their own happiness. What's Christian morality? Christian morality looks at that and says, please don't. Please don't. Since when was life about being happy? It's never once been about happy, happiness. What is it about? Holiness. It's about Holiness. See, it makes perfect sense. In a Gentile world, there is no God. You're separated from the life of God. Where there is no God, the only thing is you and your happiness. But when there is God, it's not about pleasing you. It's about pleasing him. So the highest value isn't happiness anymore. Now it's holiness. Living life for God. I love how Paul helps us live that out. 
He's doing this big comparing, contrasting. Gentiles are always lusting for more. Black hole, no bottom. He's done doing his whole thing. And then he comes back and he says, but you did not learn Christ that way. I love that. Don't you love that? You did not learn Christ that way. You did not learn Christ. It's not even learned about Christ, like Christ is some kind of history lesson, some kind of idea in your head. He said, no, you learned Christ. You experienced him. You know Christ. You know our Christ. Christ, our priest, and our sacrifice. Christ, our life and our salvation. Christ, our redemption and our redeemer. Christ, our Lord, you did not come to know Christ that way. I'm trying to push this. I'm trying to push this because the truth is this. In the Christian life, sin is not gone. It's forgiven. It's forgiven. It doesn't count against you because of Christ. You learn Christ. You know that. It's forgiven, but it's not gone. It still lives in us. So you got to take it off. Take off that old self. Put on the new self, Paul says, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Christian life is about holiness, not happiness. I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord that you live that way. Oh, I wish I had more time this morning. I do. <laughs> if I did, I'd do this whole thing on the Ten Commandments. I always feel kind of bad for the Ten Commandments. They, uh, people start memorizing them. They get to about seven, you know, never quite make it to eight, nine, and ten. And it's kind of like you get the Ten Commandments, they kind of, you know, this kind of tail off. And it's such a shame, you know? Martin Kemnitz, one of the greatest Christian teachers who ever lived, he said nine and ten are so important. Because what can happen is you can get through one through eight, and you can think, oh, I'm a pretty good person, didn't kill anybody, pretty good person, didn't kill anybody. Then you get to nine and ten, and you go, whoops. Because all of a sudden you find out God regulates your desires. He cares about what you want. He tells you to take off the old life. Oh man, man, I wish I had more time for that. I, I wish I had more time to talk about how we should expect that in our lives with Jesus, that most, maybe, maybe perhaps most, of our first reactions to things and peoples and situations are actually wrong. Why are they wrong? Because we've got a lot of sin in us. We've got to take it off. Put on something else. I wish I had more time for that. I, I'm going to leave it behind. I don't want to. I'm going to leave it behind because I want to say this. Do all of you realize what Paul is doing today? Paul is doing nothing less than giving you back your life. 
When you live a Gentile life, what you are doing is you're, you are always reaching, you are always striving, you are always wanting and desiring something that you don't yet have. That's Gentile life. And Paul says, take it off. You already have what God wants you to have. And so suddenly, instead of, instead of lusting after a woman, do you know what happens? you got your wife in your arms. Instead of, instead of, I want the next paycheck, I want the next promotion, I want the next thing, you're suddenly looking at your table and going, where did all that food come from? So instead of spending your life, what, what's next? What am I dreaming of? What do I got to have? Instead, God places into your life what you already have. Everything you need. He's giving you back your life. So I, I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. Take off your old self. Put on the new one. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Where do these lives come from? Where are they going? I'm in my last part. Hang on with me. This is important. Where does Gentile life come from? It comes from the self, and it leads to the self. It's a black hole with no bottom. Paul says that exact thing. He's, he's getting into it. He kind of salts and peppers this in. He's talking about taking off the old self. He tells us why we got to take it off, because it is corrupting us with its deceitful, listen to that, he says it's deceitful desires. See, Gentile life comes from the self. It, it leads to the self. It's, it's deceitful in that way. What it does is it promises you the world. You've seen the commercials, right? If you, if you have this product, if you have this car, if you have this person, this thing, you just, you just do this, you're going to be happy. Look at all the happy people. You're going to be happy. I was thinking about that. You remember that commercial at Christmas time? The guy buys the truck, there's a bow on top of it. The wife comes out and swoons. There's a new truck in the driveway. I'm thinking to myself, what would my wife say? How are you going to pay for that? Promises you the world, you need this. You're going to be happy. You're not going to be happy. a black hole with no bottom. Jeff Bezos, guy owns half the world, doesn't he? He owns half the world. Not happy. Ask his wife. Or should I say his ex-wife? Gentile life comes from itself. It leads to the self and it leads to where does it go? It leads to the ultimate breakup. Where does Christian life come from? It comes from God. 
What does Paul say? It's created by God. It's created by God. Did you catch that? This is a new creation. Created by God in true righteousness and holiness. It's created by God. Had to be made by him. Had to be made by him. It's too beautiful. It's too right. It's too good. It's too beautiful. Gorgeous. It's so beautiful. You can see it in yourself if you look for it. You can see it in other Christians if you look for it. Sometimes it's buried a little bit, but you can see it. She smiled at him. Did you see it? She smiled at the guy who slighted her, and she meant it. Why? Because she took off the old self that needed vindication. She put on her new self. Created like God to be merciful. How to come from God? It's too beautiful not to come from God. This is what you, in your deepest, if in your deepest self, isn't that who you want to be? In your deepest Christian self, this is who you are. You want to be good. You want to be strong. You want to be brave. You want to be loving. That's you. That's the real you. It's bursting out inside of you. God made that. He created you to be that. Put that on, Paul is saying. That's who you really are. If you think about it, do you, do you realize what that is in you? That is the you that's going to live forever. That's eternal life beginning in you. It is nothing less than the you that you will be for the rest of time and eternity. It is resurrection life living in you. What am I saying? This is what I'm saying. It comes from God. It's going where? To God. Your new self in you is the hors d'oeuvres. Resurrection life is the main course. So I tell you, and I insist on it, in the Lord, Live the Christian life. And when I tell you to live the Christian life, all I'm doing is I'm telling you to embrace your eternal life. That's what I'm telling you to do. Embrace your eternal life. Embrace the gift that God has placed inside of you. Embrace eternal life. I, I insist on it. I insist on it and realizing with Paul that you can't insist all the time. If you insist, insist all the time, you're no longer insisting anymore. You're just talking. I tell you this and I insist on it in the Lord. Live the Christian life. Do not live like the Gentiles do in their idea of life. Don't do it. Take off your old self. Put on your new self. Because that new self comes from God and it's going to God. Live the Christian life. Because finally, that is the life. And there is no other. Let's pray. I thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that even now, your people are are being renewed in the image of God. Recreated now in righteousness, in holiness, like God. 
Lord, empower your people today to live this Christian life that you have called us into in Jesus' name. I pray all of it through him. Amen.